Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Jack's Corner. I'm Tarzan Bonanno, and we're sitting down again this week with Jack, who just went to the coronation of now Bishop Robert Pipta in the Eparchy of Parma. So, Jack, how was it? Glory to Jesus Christ, Tarzan. It was it was incredible. It was uh, um, probably uh, one of the more exciting uh, events of the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church that I've ever experienced in my almost 70 years. Oh, by the way, next Wednesday is my birthday. Oh, happy um, early birthday. Thank you. Uh, it's going to be my last one. You know, when you hit 69, you stop counting. Yeah, then, <laughs> then you're, it's your... Uh... Your first annual 69th birthday, then the second annual, third annual, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Although my mother said when you hit 80, then you start telling your age again because you're proud to be have lasted that long. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was wonderful. It was, uh, uh, all the events were, were sold out. They, they uh, had to turn people away. Uh, that wanted to come because they didn't have space in the churches. I saw the um, pictures. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. Um, it was uh, a cross section of our church. There were all kinds of lay people and religious and clergy from all over the country. Uh, of course, all the Parma clergy were there. Uh, and then, um, uh, especially for the consecration, uh, I don't think I've ever seen. 13 Byzantine bishops together at one event. And the beginning of the liturgy, there were six on one side and six on the other at the main aisle down in front of the church. And Bishop, Archbishop William Skirla in the chair in the middle. So that means there were the 12 apostles with Jesus. It was the perfect number. And I count up that there are 15 Byzantine right bishops in America. So 13 of 15 were there at that event. That's, that's a, I was going to try to do statistics with percentages. I'm not, not going to try, but that's a lot. Yeah, it, it's, it's a large, large portion. The majority. Um, and, uh, and then in addition, there were, I think, three non-Byzantine, right, Eastern bishops. Uh, so like the Cyril and the Maronites and so forth. And I think I counted four Roman bishops and the papal nuncio, and one of those uh, bishops was the uh, bishop of the diocese of Cleveland because he posted about it yeah. on Facebook. Okay, yeah, I'm sure it would have been sure. It's it's his local turf, so he he's expected to show up. Yes, but it was great. Yes, the uh, the papal nuncio, uh, he's now cardinal uh, Christophe Pierre. Uh, he's been here at, in Washington as the papal nuncio. I think five or six years, uh, and he's very friendly. Uh, he's been to Oriental Illumin conferences twice. I've taken the seminary choir to visit him at the Nunciature and sang a few songs for him in his chapel. So he's very friendly to the East, and he's the one who reads the official papal bull uh, appointing Bishop Robert as the bishop of, I love the phrase that they use in the official language, the God-saved city of Parma. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not originally from Cleveland, not originally from this area. So when I moved here and saw how much Catholic stuff was here, 
I I honestly I agree with that statement. The God saved city of Parma. <laughs> Um, so the, the whole thing started with Vespers uh, the night before for an Episcopal consecration. There's a formal uh, hierarchical Vesper service that's held. And the uh, nominee, the bishop-elect, uh, Robert, has to uh, very strongly say uh, a profession of faith three times. Uh, the first time is the Nicene creed that we use in our liturgy every every time. The second time is the same sentiments, but in much more elaborate language uh, the second time through. And the third time through, even more elaborate language to the point where uh, towards the end, uh, there's added paragraphs about anathema to Arius and anathema to this and anathema. And he, and he gets louder and more because he's supposed to really, really, you know, sort of uh, exclaim this to the to everyone there. And Bishop Robert uh, did did a really, really good job. He he just kept building his voice, and by the by the time it was over, he was shouting that he was going to be a great bishop and get rid of all these heretics. <laughs> it was it was kind of kind of fun to watch and hear how that uh, text has developed over history. I've not been um, blessed enough to have been uh, a witness to any of these type of ordinations but with the way you're explaining it I'm almost half I'm almost half expecting to somebody have pulled out a picture of Arius for him to smack <laughs> <laughs> well that would be that would be a nice rubric to add yeah get put some audiovisual into it absolutely uh, I just got an email from the Chancery office uh, the Vesper service is now available as a link to watch on YouTube someplace. Someplace. Um, All right. So if you get yeah. that to me, I'll be able yeah. to put that in the uh, in okay. the description of the podcast. Good. Um, so yeah, Vespers was, and they had a um, a choir that Father Andrew Summerson, who's now at the Ruthenian Church in uh, Munster, Indiana, just outside Chicago. Um, that he organized and they sang beautiful four-part harmony uh, all the melodies uh, there were about 25 for vespers but then the next day for the liturgy they had over 50 up in the choir loft uh, so it, uh, the the singing was was tremendous uh, some of the some of the songs especially when they got to the church Slavonic, uh, and on sunday at the liturgy when the, the church was packed uh, every seat was taken I think they raised the roof a few inches. It was so, so literally strenuous and yeah, they literally raised the roof. It was, it was <clears throat> so liturgy. Uh, it starts with a, a big long procession. Uh, in fact, they they schedule the procession fifteen minutes before the liturgy actually starts. And it takes that long uh, for all the servers and then the guest uh, clergy and then the Parma clergy. And everything is done by protocol and order of rank. Um, and it's always fun to watch how they rank the different bishops that are visitors, that the non-Byzantines, the Romans come first, then the non-Byzantine Eastern bishops, then the Byzantine bishops who are not Ruthenian, then the Ruthenian bishops. Um, and, uh, and Bishop Robert has a special place at the end of all of the 
priests. So saving the, like, you know, bishop. saving the best for According last. Yes, got it. Yeah, he's 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 the last of the clergy to come in, um, and then the 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 end of the line is the archbishop who is in charge of the whole proceedings. Archbishop William of Pittsburgh, mm. uh, with his two deacons, who are always at his side. Uh, incensing as they come up the center aisle, um, so it's it's a lot of great pageantry that uh, is uh, you could say is uh, uh, you know one of the highlights of the Byzantine liturgical uh, life uh, of the church. I mean, it's just one of my favorite so things was, about being Catholic is just the pageantry of it. It's always beautiful. Yeah, and and the Byzantines even outdo the Romans. <laughs> They've got a. Uh, They've got the older form, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the one surprise for me, uh, and it was literally a surprise as soon as it happened, was that my close friend and uh, who I work with a lot, Bishop John Michael Botine of the Romanian uh, Greek Catholic Diocese of Canton, Ohio, which covers all of America and all of Canada. He's the bishop of the whole of North America. Uh, he was invited to be the homilist for the liturgy. And so when it came time for the homily after the gospel reading, he comes walking out between, uh, through the royal doors, the holy doors, uh, to the microphone uh, with his notes and stuff. And uh, I was uh, uh, I was very, very surprised that uh, he was the homilist. Um, and he was surprised. I, I talked to him afterwards at the banquet and he said he'd only been asked by Bishop Robert to do that the week before. So he, he gave a very, very touching uh, uh, homily. Uh, he talked about the, the three duties or charisms of a bishop uh, to teach, uh, to govern, uh, and uh, to uh, uh, educate, uh, not educate, teach, govern, and um, uh, lead spiritually uh, his flock of clergy and faithful. And he gave lots of examples of that. Uh, he had some anecdotal stories. Uh, so he had us in stitches. He, he was very funny, which was you know, a great break to the, the formality of the rest of the, the service. Uh, so it was, it was marvelous. The, the other most exciting thing was, of course, the consecration itself. Um, and if, and if you haven't been to an Episcopal consecration, it's, it's very similar to that of a priest um, in that it's done at the holy table, um, the, the altar. Um, but the archbishop and the other consecrator of him lead him around the altar three times, just like a priest is led around the altar three times, just like a deacon is led around the altar three times, and just like a married couple is led around the tetrapod out in the nave of the church three times at the wedding ceremony. And the music that is sung when they make those uh, processions around the altar is the same troparia. For all of those services, the exact same troparia is used. Uh, so there's a connection from being married to a spouse, to the deacon, to the priest, and the bishop uh, ordination slash consecration being married to the church. So it's it's a lot of wonderful parallel uh, parallels that are uh, 
you know, visible there. And uh, then when when the procession is complete, uh, the uh, ordinander or Bishop Robert in this case kneels and puts his head on the holy table right in the middle. They put a gospel book over his head, and then three bishops, the archbishop and two other bishops that are called co-consecrators, all put their hands on the gospel book and recite the prayer that that uh, formerly ordains him to be a bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it they, they formally go through, you know, what we read about in scripture of the laying on of hands. I love that. I'm just, yeah, I can't wait to watch the video, funny. is what I'm saying yeah. when I say that. This is going to be yeah, exciting. Well, um, the video that they made for this one, I think, was only one camera up in the choir loft, unfortunately. Even um, if I have to squint real hard, I'll still be able to see it. Well, you'll be able, you, if you want to see the ceremony itself, go on YouTube of OL Television and look for the consecration of Bishop Kirk Burnett, my bishop, uh, that I recorded 10 years ago when he was made bishop in the Passaic Cathedral. And I set up four cameras around the, uh, all around the cathedral in strategic places to catch the action that I knew was coming. And then I walked around in a cassock onto the monopod. And for that laying on of hands, I put the camera up in the air and got a bird's eye view with a close-up zoom of the hands and the gospel book and the bishop's head all tight, close together. And uh, uh, I think it's had four or 5,000 views in the last 10 years. So if you want to see it up close, go, go watch my video. Both of those videos, both the one for this consecration and the uh, previous one you just mentioned, will be in the uh, description. Um, so, that, so that was the, so the liturgy, uh, you know, was terrific, uh, took a long time, of course, for everyone to go to communion. Um, all the clergy went up to the altar to get, get received it from the archbishop and then they had stations and it just, you know, the choir was singing over and over and over again. So it was, it, cause I think there were a good four to 500 people squeezed into the church. Uh, so it was, it, it, it t- took a bit, um. The choir was, was just fabulous, and Father Andrew did a great job, and uh, everyone joined in. It was, it was uh, you know, like a choir of 400 people. So the, uh, after the liturgy was over, we all uh, made our way over to uh, the Merritt Hotel, where a lot of people were staying, and they had a big reception to start, and then uh, a large banquet uh, with uh, seated tables, uh, they had a, uh, I forget his name, but a sports newscaster from the Chicago area that Father Tom Loya, I think, knew. Uh, they invited him, and he, he's a Byzantine Catholic cantor at the um, uh, Munster Church, and he was uh, the MC. <clears throat> a sportscaster, probably a good MC. Anyway, he, he had a couple of good jokes and uh, his voice was you know he didn't quite get into the you know real fast cadence of a you know radio announcer blah, 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 blah. he was but he was very clear and uh, he did a great job <clears throat> commenting about the wonder so, uh, just the excitement of the day 
and then they had uh, uh, essentially three short speeches. Um, Bishop Francois Botin, who is the new Melkite bishop, he's only been a bishop of about a year. Um, so he was sort of the, the main speaker and uh, gave uh, sort of helpful hints to uh, Bishop Robert. Since he's now been a bishop just one year, he, he sort of explained, you know, here's what I found in my 30 years of priesthood, and this is what I found in my one year of being a bishop, and here's my advice to you. Your first year as a bishop. <laughs> nice. Uh, so so that, that was very touching. And then uh, Bishop Robert got up and then thanked everybody and, and uh, sort of gave a few of his own remarks. And then we finished our dessert. And then the benediction was by Archbishop George Galaro, uh, who was on the faculty um, with Bishop Robert when Bishop Robert was rector of the seminary. So they were close friends. And uh, Archbishop George just retired uh, about a year ago as being the secretary of the Congregation for Eastern Churches, which is now the Dicastery for Eastern Churches, uh, which is the group in the Vatican that oversees all the Eastern Catholics. And uh, so he came from Rome and was there uh, from the Vatican, as well as being a good friend of Bishop Robert. And uh, he, he gave the, the concluding benediction. And uh, then we got a final blessing from Bishop Robert uh, and uh, that concluded the banquet. So it was it was a wonderful experience. And it was great seeing an awful lot of old friends that I haven't seen in 10 or 20 years. Um, clergy from the West Coast. Um, I knew more than half of the Byzantine bishops that were there, so I was able to go greet all of them. Uh, I ran into people that I haven't seen. Um, and then I had a, had a really kind of cute, fun experience, and I don't think you'll mind if I talk about it on the radio. Um, and that is, uh, uh, after the banquet, the new Melkite bishop that gave the remarks at dinner, uh, his name is uh, Bishop Francois uh, Beirutti. Uh, he wanted to talk to me about uh, God With Us publications that I'm getting involved with, and he's the Episcopal moderator of the God With Us uh, catechetical group. And we were talking, and uh, as we're talking, sitting at a table and the crowd's clearing out, three um, young children came up behind the bishop. Uh, young girl was about 10 or, 10 or 11, a, her older brother who was about 13, and then a younger brother who was about eight. And they're all sort of hovering behind the bishop as he and I were talking. And uh, I saw that they weren't, you know, they weren't gonna go away until we, we sort of heard what they had to say. And I figured they just wanted to come up and get the bishop's blessing, you know. So I said, oh, excuse me, Bishop, uh, there's some folks behind you. Uh, and I said, uh, can we help you? And the little girl said, are you Jack Fiegel? <laughs> <laughs> she ignored the bishop totally. Who's the bishop? I don't know that guy. I know Jack. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yes, I am. She said, oh, are, are you an ordained reader? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I didn't think that someone her age would have known what that meant. But she did and asked me. And I said, yes, I'm one of the few in the country who are ordained readers. Um, and uh, she said, oh, good, good. We can check you off of our, our, our uh, list. We're on, a, on our, we're on a scavenger hunt. And one of the things we have to do is re uh, say hello and get to meet every 
office of every level of the church from reader to bishop. Okay, so you could check two off because there's a bishop right next to him. Well, yeah, but she she already had a bishop from someplace else. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this was sort of the end of her list, and I guess she had talked to somebody of, she was asking, who's a reader, who's a reader, who's a reader? And, you know, somebody finally said, well, that guy over there, that's Jack Fiegel. He's an ordained reader. And so she came up and, you know, did all this. And, and I said, while she and I were having this conversation, the bishop's sitting right there in front of us. And I said to her, oh, and this is Bishop Francois. And she looked at him, said, oh, okay, and then came back and talked to me. She just totally ignored the bishop. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of that joke where the guy knows everybody. Have you heard that joke? This guy named Dave apparently knows everybody. His friend's like, that's not true. That's not possible that you know everybody. Like, name somebody. He names the president at the time. He's like, oh, yeah, we go way back. They go to the White House. Oh, Dave, come in. Bring your friend. So on, so forth, all the way to, like, right. okay, Pope Francis. He's like, yeah, I know Frankie. That, I don't, but whatever. And then they go to the Vatican, and somebody looks to his friends like, who is that up there with Dave? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's, the re that's how I feel about what just happened to you. It's like, the bishop, nah, this is Jack. <laughs> well, your little story actually did happen to me also. About 15 years ago, I was having dinner with the Ukrainian Orthodox priest and Father Joe Loya from Villanova University. And I was telling him about my couple of papal audiences with St. John Paul. And at the end of all that, he said, oh, yeah, wow, after all that, one of these days we're going to be watching TV and we're going to say, who's that in white next to Jack Fiegel? Yep. <laughs> Same idea. But this time it really happened to me. You uh, are that I, guy, though. <laughs> that, that's the thing. You are that guy. So... Anyway, the, the whole the whole week was great, uh, the, the banquet last night, and uh, then uh, uh, yesterday morning, not last night, the banquet on Wednesday night, then um, Thursday morning, Bishop Robert, on his own, with no other bishops around, had his own first hierarchical liturgy at a different church, uh, Church of the Holy Spirit, uh, closer into Cleveland, and uh, it, the church was pretty full, uh, a lot of his friends and, and family came. Uh, the folks were were in from out of town. The clergy, all the clergy of Parma came because then they were invited lunch. So the lunch after the liturgy was just the Parma clergy. You, you said this was at Holy Spirit? Bishop. Yeah, at Holy Spirit. Okay. The yeah. consecration itself was at Holy Resurrection, Yep. which used to be St. Stephen's in Euclid. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, yesterday's liturgy was at Holy Spirit. And it was nice, a uh, smaller choir, but they sang with gusto. Uh, it was interesting. I think it's one of the few times, I've seen it several times, one of the few times, if only time, people that were there saw the vesting of a bishop, which is in the books. Uh, nobody ever does it anymore, but every time a bishop serves, they're supposed to go through a whole series of prayers, and there's a prayer that the deacon says, there's a quiet prayer the bishop says when he puts on every piece of vestment. Um, and so there's a symbolic explanation um, in terms of liturgical prayer that goes with the sakos, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the special garment he wears with the omophore that he puts on uh, with the crown, uh, when he puts on his engulpion or his panagia, 
so everything he, uh, that he, is specific to a bishop's uh, vest, vestry, um, there's a prayer that goes with it, and uh, it takes 10 minutes or so to go through all that stuff before the liturgy starts. And usually it's done in the sacristy before anyone else sees it uh, yeah. when the bishop you know, comes to visit. But uh, he did it all proper, and uh, uh, we went through the whole hierarchical liturgy, so he did a great job. And uh, it was, it was, uh, he, he, I think he then preached um, at, uh, at that liturgy and uh, talked about the, the scripture reading for the day and how it was appropriate for him starting in his new ministry as a bishop. So the whole, the whole, the whole three days were well organized, despite the fact that, uh, and I'm sure they had uh, a major role that was planned, uh, and that was that the seminarians from our seminary in Pittsburgh were not able to be there because one of them tested positive for COVID last week. So they were all in quarantine. And it was really a shame because Bishop Robert was their rector for the last 10 years. And so he knew all the guys, all the seminarians very, very well. And uh, they couldn't come to his consecration as a bishop. It was, that was, that was the, that was the only sad part about the whole thing was that the seminarians were not there and I'm sure they would have played a major role in serving and uh, doing things. Uh, and so they had to have other servers and deacons and subdeacons fill in. Well, at least there's the a video of area. it. And maybe yeah, one right, camera, yeah. but it's still a video. Yeah, it's at least something. And they'll, they'll be able to hear it and see it and all that. So and I, it did appear. I thought of you. They had one of your nice big boom microphones up, uh, I think, recording the choir. So, yeah, uh, so the audio recording should be uh, should be quite good. Well, so, we'll see about it. Post. Was it was great? It was a great great week altogether, and you know, following right on after the assembly, which was another three hundred people of Byzantine Ruthenians, it was a whole week of uh, the vibrancy of the church, and in both in both cases, uh, as I said, I think last time that I estimate at least a fourth to a third of the people that were there were under the age of 30. Yeah. Our analytics suggest that the same. <laughs> Terrific. So anyway, it was a great week and uh, we look forward to uh, uh, many years of Bishop Roberts ministry. And uh, uh, since I know him pretty well, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to work with him and uh, go forward from there. I am looking forward to meeting him at the, uh, hopefully he'll be there. Um, last year we had a St. Stephen's Villista Grand Ball, uh, Father Lucas, so I wanted to bring that up. Did you act, did you get to meet Father Lucas? Like actually yes. Okay. All right. Cause I know you said that Bishop Milan was trying to get you guys to meet, um, Father Lucas said they're having another Grand Ball this year. So hopefully... I'll get to meet uh, Father Robert, uh, Bishop Robert uh, at the Grand Ball this year, as I did Bishop yeah. Milan last yeah, year. Yeah, Father Lucas and I, we happened to be a, a pure part or something, and when I introduced myself, he said, oh, I'm, I'm Father Lucas. And so, yeah, we exchanged the idea of trying to automate the daily office that he's done in Slovak, and I'm going to, that I do manually with our Byzantine daily office on the app. And, uh, so we're going to try to see if we can figure out how to automate the rules from the Tipicon 
to generate the text that goes into those every day. All right. So that wraps up this episode of Jack's Corner. Next week, we're going back to the regularly scheduled program in which we're going to be talking about how Jack started the adult enrichment lectures. Besides that, thank you all for coming. Again, you can check out the uh, coronations, both of his bishop and the eparchy's new bishop, eparchy of Parma's new bishop, in the description below both the podcast and the YouTube video. Thank you for listening. God bless. Bye-bye.